Hello, Syngap land. My name is Michael Gralia. Today is Thursday, March 16th, and this is episode 97 of Syngap 10, your 10-minute weekly briefing on everything you need to know about Syngap 1. I just spoke back 10 days ago in episode 96 about um, Rare Disease Day and federal advocacy. Today, we're going to get back to good old brass tacks, Syngap 10 stuff, community, progress, science, fundraisers, hope, all the good stuff. So this past weekend, today's went Thursday. Oh my gosh, the week's going so fast. Um, this past weekend, Ashley and I ran down to San Diego with the boys because we just needed a break. It's been raining in Northern California for as long as anyone can remember. And we were like, we got to get out of here. And Tony didn't have school on Monday. So we were like, oh man, no school, we can go. So we went down to see the Hardings. The Hardings are one of the OG California Syngap families. They've been around forever. One of the first dads I talked to was Aaron. He's been a treasured friend ever since. So we went down there. Monica put up a um, a Facebook post about it with some really cool pictures. I'll put one of them on the cover of this episode. It was awesome. It was great to just spend time with another Syngap family. And it was great to see the Syngap boys hang out, Jackson and Tony. And uh, to see the Syngap siblings hang out, Michaela and John. I was just, it was amazing. And I, I'm constantly encouraging families to do that, to find the families near you. If near means half an hour, if near means two hours, figure it out. Because it's just such a relief to be able to be with other families. So that was a treat. And then on Monday, fortunately for me, um, the Fosters were in town. So they, they live in Kansas City, but they were in town for spring break. So I got to hang out by the pool with Melissa Foster. If you don't know who the Fosters are, you should. They recently released a family video that you can watch. And they also have been getting some press about that video in the Kansas City Press. I'll put all those links in the show notes. Check them out. But a um, couple things about that conversation. So I'm sitting by the pool, Melissa Foster. Tony's jumping in and out of the pool. And Hattie's running around. And Hattie's siblings are there. And Hattie's siblings know what a Syngapian is because Hattie's their sister. So when Tony's like a little weird, they're like, yeah, whatever. And it was wonderful. It was just like, you know, a group of kids playing by the pool. It felt like I had normal normal it felt normal and um you know melissa and michael looked at me and they're like wow tony can swim we're like, you know because hattie had one of these floaty things on i'm like yeah because it's terrifying the idea a nonverbal child can't swim i was like you know i taught tony to swim like he sent him to lessons whatever i'm like every now and then i just pick him up i throw him in the pool and for the first couple times i had to pick him back up but eventually he was like oh this is this is what you do to get to air and then oh this is how you move and I was like, let's throw her in. And they looked at me like, you're, you're crazy. I was like, yeah, but let's, let's try it. I'll go get her. If I, I didn't say that. I wasn't that good. I was like, one of us will go get her if, if, if she doesn't come back up. So God bless them. They threw her in. And guess what? She popped right up. She swam to the side. Teach your kids to swim, people. Throw them in. Teach your kids to swim. So anyway. Um, it was amazing. It was it was such a blessing to spend the weekend with the Hardings and go to SeaWorld and then spend Monday with the Fosters and let Singapians hang out with Singapians and be able to hang out with another family where I'm not worried about diaper changes and whatever random thing a Singapian does next. And I encourage all of you, all of us, find the Singapians near you, hang out with them. It's worth it. I'll tell you another conversation I had with Melissa and it was fascinating. She said, how's it going? I said, well, it's been bonkers a couple weeks because, we, you know, we've had like three or four families of two-year-olds diagnosed lately, two-year-olds. And I'm like, I've been talking to these families and it's a trip and it's, it's a trip for them and, and it's a trip for me. It's a trip for them because, you know, you got, you got a kid, it's, they're, all, they're, they're about two, you're like, something's not right. You go to doctor, you're fortunate to get referred to genetics. Someone says, delayed, let's do genetic testing for neurodevelopmental disorders. You're like, fine, whatever, you sign. You don't even, you don't, no, one, no one signs up for a genetic test 
thinking through what it means if they find something. But anyway, genetic testing, suddenly you get SYNGAP, Google SYNGAP, you find SRF, all of a sudden this guy named Mike shows up and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And you're like, why are you happy? Why are you happy, Mike? My child is two and just got a diagnosis that tells me that the rest of their life will include seizures that haven't started yet and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, yes, that's, that's terrible. You're right. And I have to remind myself that when I was diagnosed, when Tony was diagnosed, Tony was four. So I'd had twice as long as they did. In fact, more than twice as long because in the years three and four, the gaps get bigger. No matter how big your daddy denial is, my daddy denial was, you can't deny, okay, something's up with this kid. And then they start seizing. Because in the old days, it used to be, by the old days, I mean like five years ago, nobody got diagnosed until they'd started seizing. But now, because of the prevalence of genetic testing and a better understanding amongst the clinicians, kids at two are being tested, not because they had seizures, but because they had delays. And so for the family, it's like, they still hadn't quite, they, most families, I'm not picking anyone out here, haven't quite got their head wrapped around, this could be a genetic, an inborn error, a genetic issue that will be a part of their entire life. Families have not had that thought yet. And then when they get that diagnosis, the term forever really is used, right? And then Mike shows up and he's like, this is so exciting. Congratulations, you got diagnosed at two. And they just, they're like, who are you? Why are you, why are you so happy about this? And it's an interesting disconnect. Now, admittedly, we should probably stop letting me talk to newly diagnosed families. But, and I'm sure someone on the board is going to call me after this, but I'll tell you why I'm so excited for them. Their kids are two. And in two or three years, I firmly believe that we're going to have different genetic therapies, different ASOs, AAVs, maybe small molecules that go to the root of disease and help the brain make more syngap. And if I think about Tony's trajectory, he started seizing around three. They progressed around four or five, behavior six, seven, sleep fell apart, etc. If we could have given Tony a therapy when he was four or five and changed that natural history, how many things would have been different? So when I meet these families, I'm excited for them because in two or three years when we have these therapies, their little kids will be four or five. Tony will be 11 or 12. So it's going to take more medicine to start seeing results in Tony's brains. But in those little brains that still have so much more growth, there's tremendous hope. There's tremendous hope. There's tremendous reason for optimism with these littles. And it's just been a fascinating experience to talk to them. You know, I, um, because of the hard work of the Syngap Research Fund and, and our partnership with Citizen, we now know. Like, nobody could really tell me this is how this disease progresses. But in the show notes right now, I'll share a link to um, Jillian McKee from CHOP, who did a beautiful poster that summarized some of the work on Syngap. And then recently, there was a preprint out of Invitae by Ellie Brimble and company, um, who did a whole paper comparing Syngap with five other genes. Beautiful, beautiful work, all driven by, by citizen data. By, by the way, if you haven't signed up for citizen, sign up for citizen. But we now know what the natural history of disease is. So you can now 
know what to look for when we give medicine and want to change that history to improve the future for these beautiful little children. One of those children, by the way, um, Grandpa just did a, um, Rima is in New York, and Grandpa did a beautiful article about spending time with her and, and how she is together. I'll put that link in the show notes. Rima's amazing. But, but if I think about these four two-year-olds, I got LASF, DC area, New York area, um, and these conversations... It, it, it's, it's a new chapter for us and it tells us that more kids are going to get diagnosed and, and, that, and that we really need to reach out to these families because here's what happens, folks. There are families who when they get this diagnosis, they are told rare, one in a million, blah, 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 and they just go home and they cry and they hug their kid. And at the end of the day, you, you know, you can choose love or fear. DeMello said this. You can choose love or fear. Everything comes from that. So you can be afraid you can focus on the fear. You can feed the fear. You can just be worried about everything that could happen to your child. We all do it. I get it. Or you can choose to love your kid and choose to love them for what they are and for what they can do and, and, for, and have hope for their future. Love or fear? Hope or despair? You choose. Fear and despair? No fun. Go home, drink, pull the blinds down, sit in the corner, hug your kid, be sad. Doesn't end well. Doesn't. Love and hope? Much more fun. Embrace SRF. Be grateful that we have a community. Be grateful that we're working our butts off over here. Be grateful there are doctors and there are medicines under development and there are clinical, and there are not clinical trials. There's research happening right now to find therapies. And be hopeful and help us make these research studies happen. Come and raise some funds. Come and volunteer. Come and do something. Choose hope, people. It's a much better option. So anyway, that's my update on the two-year-olds. And that, that was a fun conversation that we, um, Melissa and I had by the pool with Hattie and Tony. I had a blast with that. <clears throat> More reason for excitement and positivity. Webinars. So last week we had a webinar from uh, Professor Vanderhagen. It was amazing. Check it out. And then today we had a webinar with Professor Collar talking about some Syngap Research Fund supported work. Again, very promising. Lots of reason to be hopeful there. Make sure you watch that webinar. And then <clears throat> I think our next one is April 27th. So in about a month, Jillian McKee will be talking about that citizen data I told you about which is it's really valuable for those newly diagnosed families who are like, what does the future look like? And I, I want to make another point on that. Yes, because of our hard work, you know what the future of Syncapians looks like. But because of the therapies under development, you don't know what the future looks like for Rima and those other little two-year-olds. Because nobody knows what a Syncapian looks like who's been given an ASO or a gene therapy or a small molecule to increase gene expression, to ex increase protein expression in the brain. No one knows because it hasn't happened yet. So we are hopeful that what we know and can predict is a potential future for your loved one. But it is not the potential future. It is not the future your loved one will live because we're all working our butts off over here to get therapies into these kids to make their future better. It's super exciting, you guys. Super exciting. The way you can help, volunteer, raise money, share your data with citizens. I realize not everyone has time. I realize not everybody feels comfortable fundraising. Although really, please, everybody should fundraise. But everybody's got data. And I encourage every single family in the US, share your data via Citizen. It is a must. Links are in the show notes. Want to share more good news. In the past couple of weeks, uh, both Stoke and Praxis have had positive news that they have shared. It is not directly about Syngap 1, but guess what? Stoke and Praxis both have Syngap 1 on their pipelines. So any good news for Stoke and Praxis is good news for Syngap 1. The Stoke news is very exciting. So Stoke has a couple of um, 
trials. They have a trial in the U.S. and they have a trial in the U.K. for their uh, Tango ASO for Dravet. Tango is the technology. ASO is the way it will be delivered. Dravet is the disease. They are also going to hopefully do a Tango something for Syngap-1. Okay. So in Dravet, they're doing it, uh, I think it's Monarch and Admiral. Monarch in the U.S., Admiral in the U.K. I'm pretty sure I got that right. Might be backwards. Whatever. Monarch, they started a pretty low dose, very safe dose. Admiral, they started at a dose that's a little more aggressive. I don't know why they did that. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. This is just me making stuff up. That the FDA was probably pretty conservative. And the UK was like, if you think that's a dose that'll work, start there. So what's happened is that now in the US, they've been given permission to go up to the same dose, 70 milligrams in the US. So I, I suspect, this is just me talking, um, the FDA has taken comfort from what they've seen in other, in other regulatory environments, the UK, and they've approved going up. That's a big deal. That's a big deal because what we're seeing here is we're starting to see the FDA getting more comfortable regulating ASOs and that's what we want, ASOs for neurological diseases, right? Like ours. This is brand new stuff, guys. What's, what, what Stoke is doing, I've talked about this in previous episodes, is a huge deal and hasn't been done before. An N of many for a CNS disease with an ASO, big deal. And so now that the FDA has allowed them to come up to 70, that, that's huge news. And it will hopefully get them better results in the U.S. and allow them to eventually market uh, an appropriate dose of, of drug here in the U.S., change a lot of lives of kids with Dravet, give, give um, Stoke some commercial success, and give Stoke more learning about, and, and the FDA together, because that's a partnership, right? About how to work together and how to regulate a similar drug for Singap one Congratulations, Stoke. And then, of course, it's Praxis. Praxis has a lot of drugs in their pipeline. They just announced that their, their phase two results were good enough that they're going to start talking to the FDA about doing a phase three trial for an essential tremor drug. Do we care about essential tremor? Not really. I mean, not great. We want those people to get better. But what we want is Praxis to have to commercial success so they have enough money and people to keep working on Syngap-1. So congratulations, Praxis, on your essential tremor drug. Remember, before essential tremor, they had a, a, a depression, I think, drug that didn't go well. And guess what happened after that? They fired like 100 people. It's hard to develop drugs if you don't have people. So like when there are companies working on our drugs, folks, you got to pay attention. You got to understand what's happening in that drug development space because it's complicated. And when a company announces they're working on Syngap 1, you put them on your, you put them on your prayer list at night. You're like, God, you know, thank you. Thank you, God, for mom, for dad, for my kids, for my dog, and for Praxis, and for Stoke, and for Regel, et cetera, right? This is what you got to do. Um... And if you're like, I have no idea how Mike keeps this stuff straight. I, I, I don't keep it straight, trust me. But there is a report you can read. So Global Genes, phenomenal advocacy organization, just put out a Next 2023 report that's worth reading. Links in the show notes or just Google Next 2023 Global Genes. And uh, starting about page 50, they do an industry and biopharma update. If you're curious about the business side of things, read that. I want to finish up with an update on Sprint for Syngap. Sprint for Syngap is important. It is happening in 46 days, I believe. And um, guess what? Phoebe's fight is still in the lead. Phoebe's fight is still in the lead. Now, those of you who've been paying attention know that traditionally the Tavilla family just owns Sprint for Syngap. But this Phoebe, these Phoebe's fight people, they're in it, I'm telling you. So today, the total for Sprint for Syngap is $53,000 in the lead. We have uh, Phoebe's fight, and then we have Team Tavilla, Team Rocco, MMA, Grayson, Naya, Teddy, Hope for Reef, Team Andrew, Allison, 
something. Sorry, your name's cut off. Um, Hope for Hadley, Team Kai, Team Sadie, Kilometers for Kai, I think that is. Um, Team Patrick and Lizzie. Those are all teams that have raised money. Now, the vast majority of that money is from the top three, Rocco, Phoebe, and Tavilla. But I got to tell you guys, we can all do it. We can all raise money. We can all start a team. We can all reach out to our networks. Please use Sprint for Syngap as a chance to A, tell your story to the community. Hey, my kid's got this thing. Come and learn about it. SyngapResearchFund.org. B, raise some money for the, for the fund so we can fund more research. C, have a party. Backyard party, crawl around the pool, call it Sprint, whatever you want to do. But use it as an excuse to get people together and celebrate that there is hope. There are people working. Our kids are going to have a future that hasn't been lived yet. That's why we're here. That's what this work's all about. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.